welcome to Dog Logical. I'm your host, Renee Rhodes, the behavior and training specialist behind R Plus Dogs. Here at Dog Logical, I hope to make sense of your dog's behavior and give you insight that gives you the best relationship possible. If you'd like to know more about me or you're looking for your next dog professional to work with, you can find me at rplusdogs.com. And with that, let's get into the podcast. Hello, everyone. And today we have on the podcast, Richard from Domesticated Dog. Hi, Richard. Did you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Hi, Renee. Thanks so much for having me. I uh, This is fun. I know that we host a couple or a couple rooms on Clubhouse. So getting away from that and being able to talk professionally and personally, I think this is going to be fun. Um, so I am Richard and I am the face behind the domesticated dog. Um, I've been training dogs for roughly since 2010. Um, I am a graduate of the University of Washington Applied Animal Behavior Program, as well as the Karen Pryor Academy Program. Um, I am certified by the uh, CCPDT um, as a certified professional dog trainer. I um, have worked in um, shelters with um, dogs that suffer from uh, reactivity and aggression. And I love working with dogs. I love um, educating and advocating um, our community and pet parents. So when did you get started? So when did you get that kind of training bug for the first time? (sighs) Well, so I was a Marine um, and I ended up getting wounded in combat. And so my career path um, and personal path really changed after that. Um, I planned to do a full career in the Marines and that was um, cut short by uh, medical retirement from the military due to those combat wounds. Um, But it it was going through medical recovery that I was introduced to a service dog organization and that was um, Freedom Dogs um, out of San Diego. And um, it, it, it was really interesting because when I came back from combat, I actually had a fear of dogs. So part of that uh, recovery was to get re, um, reintroduced to dogs. And the way that we did that was actually through positive reinforcement and then later on, I would um, learn how to uh, teach with positive reinforcement, as well as learn how to break down behaviors for myself, so that I would be successful in my reintegration back into society. Do you know, so that's interesting. So do you know the correlation between um, dogs and, and your fear of dogs from, from kind of coming back home? Yeah, so what happened was um, we were in a really big... Um, urban uh, combat um, in Iraq. And what would happen is a lot of the insurgents would utilize um, dogs um, as uh, alert systems and um, as well as to attack us. So, you know, we would, we'd be going and doing these clearing of these houses and we get attacked by dogs. And it was some pretty vicious attacks 
And a lot of these times uh, we would have to get uh, rabies shots and things like that. So not only was the, the confrontation with the dog really uh, traumatic, but even having to get, uh, you know, um, our rabies shots afterwards was also pretty traumatic as well. Did you get attacked by any dogs or was it just like the threat of, of being attacked? No, I had uh, several incidences where um, dogs uh, jumped out at me and I went for attacks. Yeah. Wow. I can't imagine that. I mean, just like alone, being in a foreign country, you know, serving your country, um, having the threat of, you know, these, the people, let alone the threat of the dogs. I mean, it's such a kind of full circle from, from where you've come to where you are now. Absolutely. Um, and it, and it's funny because I remember coming back and, um, you know, visiting friends and their own personal dogs. Like I'd go to the door and, you know, a dog would bark at the door and I'd be paralyzed. I literally would, I would turn, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about body language and things that, but naturally I would turn to the side. I would just kind of remain still. And I'd be like, uh, you know, just paralyzed in, in, in fear. And, um, and my friend's like, Hey, you know, Bruno, like this is, you know what I'm saying? He was a puppy. And I'm like, I, I know, but I just, can you just back him up? You know? And, you know, and that's the thing about trauma is it affects everybody individually. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did your friends understand? Did they, or did, were they a little bit kind of like confused about your, your behavior? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, Marines were, were kind of just, uh, well, especially, you know, combat, uh, combat occupations were more of like, too cool to be too cool to be uh scared <laughs> yeah um but yeah you know they would just la they'd laugh it off and they'd give me a little hard time but inside I was really struggling and um <clears throat> but I was also struggling extremely uh you know uh mentally just um it, it also was happening in my household. Like I couldn't have people come up the stairs without announcing, Hey, it's me, you know, because some of those, uh, sounds would just send me right back or people couldn't just open the doors on me. Um, you know, or I would just kind of panic and shut the door and barricade the door. So, <clears throat> you know, it, 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 this was, this type of combat was, uh, really related back to, uh, a Viet the Vietnam time frame, and uh, we fixed bayonets, and I mean it was close quarter combat. Um, it was said to have been over three thousand insurgents in the city when we went to um, do the battle. So uh, it was it was pretty intense. I lost you know over thirty three Marines just in a three week period. Um, we had over like 560 wounded in action, um, really ser seriously. And so I think that's probably also what contributed to having uh, the dog interactions be as intense as they were. It was, you know, being paired with that type of um, uh, scenarios as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you like dogs before you, you went into the service? Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Like, um, <laughs> um, so I, I was a boy that grew up with uh, my mom. Um, 
she was a single mom, you know, she was raising two, two boys and um, we always had dogs. I, I, I mean, I had dogs for, I mean, as long as I can remember we had, and, and just the different type of dogs. Uh, we had your, your, your standard, like just mix of every kind of dog. Um, and we had, you know, we even had like Malamutes, um, we had just a ton of dogs and growing up just, I mean, <laughs> I remember us having a Malamute and I mean, thinking about it now, like we were totally unprepared for that type of, of breed, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and, and I think about, it, I go, wow, like if I would have known what I know now back then, I would have been like, mom, let's not, you know, we need to be educated first before we bring, you know, a dog that needs that type of, um, attention and you know uh care um but yeah I, I grew up and I, I can remember really some memories where I'd just be sitting in my backyard uh sucking on a lollipop and sharing with my dog that was sitting right next to me and just looking out into the backyard you know that was when I think about my childhood I think I think of that memory and that image that's really sweet. Yeah, I think <laughs> we um, we share our food with our dogs here. And <laughs> I mean, not literally like right out of the mouths of, of each other, yeah. but um, it's I always think it's quite sweet. So that's that's a very kind of you can almost when you're talking about it, I can really see it and picture it. Yeah, it's just yeah. such a sweet, a sweet kind of exchange. Um, so tell us about your dogs now, because you have three dogs, don't you? Absolutely. Yes. Um, and man, I have some amazing dogs, um, not just because of their breed, but just who they are. Um, it's been really great to get to know them individually and just see the difference in personality. Um, so I have three Belgian Malinois and um, I got involved with Malinois back in we'll say 2013, I believe. Yeah, about 2013, 2012. And um, what happened was I actually uh, was getting ready to leave out of the Marines and I had a, a service dog, a lab. And when I was retiring, um, my service dog passed away. So kind of like so much transition was happening. I was, I was getting out of the Marines. Uh, my service dog passed away and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to continue with having a service dog. I'm going to try to do it on my own. Um, 2013 comes around trying to get back into uh, school. And I was like, you know what, I do need some more help. And so I reached out to a breeder and um, she had a Belgian Malinois. And I was like, yes, like a Belgian Malinois to me was like, the Marine of dogs. And so I really had, I felt like just an instant connection. <clears throat> and so when I found out when uh, that dog was born, that dog was born on the day that I was wounded just years later. Oh, wow. And I was like, wow, like this is, this is meant to be. And so um, she vetted me so hard. <laughs> um telling me like hey you have a pool in like she google mapped me and looked at my you know satellite imagery of my house and it was it was quite funny but um 
once I convinced her like, hey, like I'm retired, I have nothing but time to, you know, give to my dog. Um, she went along and um, was allowed me to get one of her dogs. And from there, like I was just so hooked, but I'll tell you right now that I was also, I did not know what I was getting into at first. You know? <laughs> That's for sure. Said every Malinois owner ever. <laughs> yes, yes. But yeah, I have three. And um, so I have Kilo um, and he's named after the unit that I was with uh, when I got wounded. Um, about four years later, I went and got another one from uh, the same breeder and um, her name is November, which is uh, due to me having a struggle in the actual month of November when I got wounded. And ironically, she was born on the day that I went into that battle that I got wounded. Um, so I don't know, like my dogs, you know, my life has been really uh, amazing and there's a lot of kind of hidden meetings I, I think I see, um, but yeah, they've been really a, a lifesaver for me and taught me a lot about myself. And then just recently I ended up um, getting uh, whiskey and he is a year and a half old. And I, I, it's just, it's been so fun, so fun. So what was your kind of thought process from going from your service dog to a Mali? What was the kind of intent did you think of, of taking on that breed? Um, so yeah, uh, going from a, a lab to a Malinois. Yeah, it was a big difference. Um, at first it was part of like, I was like, I'm a Marine. Like I need a dog that, um, is kind of like my type personality. Um, you know, and so the labs were great for me. Um, during that really intense recovery period, you know, going to a lot of these appointments, um, you know, in and out of the hospitals and things like that. But as my recovery kind of winded down and it was more of like um, an emotional mental type uh, therapies now, mm -hmm. I was like, I want to have a dog that um, can you know, go do the things I want to do. A lot of, I was involved in a lot of adaptive sports. So I, you know, I was going and doing like week trips, uh, you know, that were outdoor activities with other um, wounded veterans. And I, and I just wanted a dog that could keep up with me that um, had the same uh, energy about life. I, and, and that's what I felt, you know, that's what I thought at that time. Um, somebody that could just keep up with me. Mm. And so, yeah, I really felt that as a Marine, I was like, you know what? I think a Mal would be a great fit. Um, and did you find yeah. that with Kilo? Did you, did, was it like, yes, this is, you know, what I was looking for. So do I think that Malinois make a great fit for a service dog? Um, you know, <clears throat> that depends on the individual dog. Um, but I do, I do feel like I made a great decision for myself. Um, and Kilo did really well. Now there was a really big, 
um, time for me that I had to learn a lot about this breed because high drive um, and, you know, just all the genetics of, you know, they're herding in there. Um, it was, it was interesting and I had to do a lot of work, um, a lot of socialization. And um, what happened when he was uh, probably about four or five months, he ended up getting uh, Pano, which uh, really kind of halted a lot of my training with him. And um, we had to keep him pretty much um, not you know, low level exercise and things like that because he was in such pain. So it really, it really hit us on a, um, on a training aspect. And then what made you decide to, to add November in? Oh, I just fell in love with the breed. Um, <laughs> you were hooked. Yeah. I fell in love with the breed. Like, I, I like, um, <laughs> you know, they work hard, play hard, but they love hard, you know, like that's, that's the thing. Like, and now, you know, to me, like as a Marine, I was like, that's me, you know, I work hard, play hard, love hard. Um, you know, they, they look, <laughs> they look so vicious when they're barking and stuff. Um, but like, they're such teddy bears, you know, like you know, at night I have them all, you know, now I have them all in my bed and all of them are all, you know, their paws all up the way they sleep. And, you know, they're just so kind and gentle. Um, but they're just, they, they just need a, a lot of, you know, exercise. They need a lot of mental stimulation. Um, and they need, they need your companionship, you know, they need to be part of your team and, um, and feel part of the family. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a, um, which I do talk about him on the podcast, I have a, a working line, high drive German shepherd. And the way that you've described is, is exactly how he is as well. He is just the sweetest, goofiest, like, yeah. you know, he just has not a bad bone in his body. And even yeah. when he does do something that maybe is undesirable, you know, it's just not his fault at all. He has so much intensity sometimes thankfully a lot less nowadays, but also that side of, you know, him being like goofy and doing stuff that comes with the package. That's him in a, in a nutshell, just like goofy, fun, energetic, like, and it's such a joy yeah. to have him in our, in our lives. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I don't know if it's because of the high drive that they have such, you know, uh, amazing personalities like it they just shine so much yeah. um and and then having three of them and having you know the differences in age like i have the senior malinois now the old one who's who's been on 20 plus flights with me all over the country and met everybody and you know he's done this and that and then i have the girl you know who's in the middle who's she's just you know surrounded by uh, the older boy and then the young boy that's a year and a half old and it's you know the, the young boys he is he is such a puppy even though I know he's a year and a half and technically he's you know he's an adult age you know he's a young adult he is I look at him and I just see baby boy I just see baby puppy in him and it is so innocent and it's and it's 
you know, and it's funny because, you know, yeah, he's a Malawan. Everybody sees all these Malinois doing amazing thing, like, you know, the Osama bin Laden raid with the Navy SEALs, as well as the other Malinois that was um, al-Baghdadi. And then they guard the White House, you know, and then you see a lot of these uh, Mal's working with uh, law enforcement. And it's like, here's my puppies. They're just, you know, they're doing puppy stuff, even, <laughs> you know, even in my house. And, but, you know, they live on an acre and they get to go do all kinds of dog stuff. And yeah, I have my dogs um, bite trained, you know, where I, they, you know, they hit the bite sleeve and stuff like that. They love it, but they're also, you know, just part of the family. Yeah. No, it's this, it's the same with like, and he is just goofy, just so, you know, and even him, he's, he's almost three, he'll be three in May. And he's still, we, I mean, like my, my boyfriend has said so many times, like, he's just like a big puppy. Like he just gets so excited about things and silly about things. And like, especially yeah. when you kind of look over at him and his tongue's like hanging out the side and he's like, Bleh. like he just, uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's just such a sweetness about him that we just, we love. Um, Okay. So, you know, when you were thinking about adding a Mally and you'd had your service dog and everything, were you, did you already know the kind of, you know, training methods that you were, you were going to use, or did you, was that like a, a, you know, a journey that you had to go on as well? So I, I'd, I'd been, um, when I got Kilo, I was already, um, you know, I'd been in my service dog program and the whole time they were force free and uh, R plus. So um, that's how I, I really learned, you know, I have my foundation um, and they brought to me a lot of great people um, while I was in that program. I even actually spoke at an APDT conference, um, not knowing what an a the AP. And um, I look back and I go, wow, I, I spoke at an APDT conference. <laughs> Um, but so did you, uh, did you train your service dog then? Um, so that was part of the process was, um, I didn't train him, but what I had to do was learn how they learned, learn the process of training new behaviors that would be able to help me. And, um, part of that was also helping to understand helping to get me to reintegrate back into society. So there's, there's a, um, uh, a therapy called essentially prolonged exposure for uh, combat veterans or people that have gone through trauma. And basically you go into an environment where maybe you don't feel comfortable and you start to essentially desensitize yourself to this, um, the stimuli. And we would do that and we would have our dogs with us, right? So that was kind of like, um, they were there to help us get through that. And um, yeah, so I had to learn how to be able to use my dogs effectively so that I could be successful. Okay. So I didn't, I didn't train them, but I, I did learn how they, 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 um, they, they learned. Okay. So you, you already had kind of your, your mindset when you, when you got Kilo, what, what you were going to do as far as like training and things. Yeah. Like that's, that's what I knew. And that's, and that's what I, be, I believe in. And um, so, yeah, I already knew, but what I didn't know was how a Malinois was. 
And I remember picking up uh, our puppy, you know, 10 week old Malinois from the airport and bringing him in and like, wow, I never had a dog growl the way that <laughs> that 10 week old Malinois growled at me. <laughs> it's a bit humbling, isn't it? Oh yeah. Like it was so humbling. I was like, all right, everybody, I'm going to sleep downstairs with a dog and get to know him and you're going to stay upstairs. <laughs> where it's safe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So how did you find training, you know, going from going from your lab to the Mali, how was that experience for you? Um, so under like just the, you know, the Malawa is just a, a different dog than a, than a lab. And, but the thing is, so what I, I did, you know, and I think everybody should, regardless of, you know, being a professional or not, like I reached out for help. So I looked at, you know, in my community for um, a force-free trainer and I just started going through what I would do any other dog, you know, we, we, we went with um, puppy kindergarten. We did, we started going through, um, you know, just through the, the levels of classes and, and then like, I, as I felt more confident working with him, I was able to go ahead and start really incorporating, you know, working with him more myself, but still having these outlets where we were doing classes out in the, in the, in the community. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because my dissertation was actually on, it was on socialization and, um, you know, waiting kind of periods of time when you're waiting. I'm trying to remember the title of it. You know, I think I, you think I'd remember it, but I didn't. Um, basically, like how delayed socialization, you know, everyone waits till kind of their, their puppies have had their vaccinations before they get them out and yep. things. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, the, a lot of professionals filled out my, my survey and, you know, some of the reasons that they gave, they had an option to leave when it came to, did you go to, you know, a positively constructed six week puppy course? Um, and a lot of them, the reason they gave, gave that they didn't was that they were a dog professional and, I completely agree with you that yes, there, there are ways that you can help your dog socialize as a professional, but at the same time, it is really good to get involved in some kind of, even if you, you know, like the, the training and stuff, you know, you can do your own training and you don't have to necessarily follow it, but I've had, you know, professionals in, in different fields like agility or service dog, or even I've had um, puppies come to me for, they're just going to be show dogs. And the, the people just want to be able to say, you know, I did take my, my dog to puppy class. I did utilize these, these practices. You know, we do some socialization as far as play play. And um, it just was funny to me that a lot of people had selected that they chose, they didn't go to a puppy course because they were a professional. So I'm really glad that you actually mentioned that you, you did do that because I think it is important. Absolutely. You know, um, one, I'm a learner for life. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't, you know, we can go to seminars, we can go to, you know, we attend webinars, we're attending, um, you know, continued education, why, you know, I, I don't, for me, like, um, I love helping other people out 
you know, understand their dogs, seeing the success. Um, but there's also a time where I just want to be a pet parent and I just want to enjoy my, my dog and I want to be a student, you know? So I, regardless of what I know, like, yeah, that stuff helps me to, you know, as I'm, we're going through the, you know, the developmental phases and things like that. But I, I want to, I want to be out there just like everybody else and enjoy um, and, and, and watch other people teach and just, I, I really appreciate that. So being able to, you know, just be a pet parent sometimes is, is really nice. Absolutely. It's like when you go to the park, maybe with your dog, or, you know, you go to a public space and there are other dogs there and other people there. And I don't tell people, unless I'm wearing like my business gear, they wouldn't even know that I, you know, my, the job that I do. And I'm very hesitant about even saying it sometimes because, you know, sometimes I'm just trying to have a fun time with my dogs. And the moment you mention that you're a dog professional, people start to weed in some questions, or even sometimes I've had people try to tell me about my profession. <laughs> So I'm like, yeah. I'm just here to enjoy the time with my dogs. Like, let's just, you know, have that, have that off time really. <laughs> so I can yeah. appreciate you saying that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think our dogs deserve that. You know, it, it's kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. I get that. I get that vision of like seeing a, you know, a kid who their, their parent is like maybe a celebrity and they're always getting attention in it. And their kid's like, I just want a time where we can go out and it's just you and I, you know, I don't know why I see that vision, but I, I see my dogs like, I just want to see a time where you're not helping someone else's dog. <laughs> it's all about me. Oh, I, yeah, I can. It's <laughs> a good analogy, actually. Yeah. <laughs> not that they think like, but I'm just, you know, like, yeah. I could just if they could speak, I, I, I would, I'm pretty sure that they would say something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so did you ever, you know, think about, especially having a dog who's a high drive dog and, you know, can be, can be a challenge. Did you ever consider, you know, maybe that R plus wasn't, wasn't right. Or maybe, you know, have you ever kind of, I guess, kind of have your thoughts ever wandered to the dark side, let's say. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and, um, you know, I'm glad you asked that because, I'm not, you know, I, I'm just going to be as transparent as possible. Yeah, I, I, I thought, you know, there was. I remember um, going back. I was at a Clicker Expo um, in California, and I remember I was sitting there with all the trainers from my service dog program, and breaking down and just kind of like, you know, like, do I know what I'm doing? You know, and and really confiding in them and just was like, you know, is this, is this right? And you know what, that was more of me. Um, you know, like I, the more that I've, I've, I've lived with these dogs, they've taught me so much. And, you know, again, it's, it's the expectation that we have for our dogs. Is it realistic? Um, and you know, yeah, they're working dogs or they need a lot more, uh, to do, you know, but I think that's all dogs, you know, you know, maybe different levels, but, um, finding what works for your dog, um, providing those opportunities and, um, and, and I'll tell you right now, when, 
I think that it was that time, it was because I was also preoccupied with other things. And if you're going to have a dog that, you know, requires a lot more attention than, you know, your a normal companion dog, um, I think you need to be aware of that and, and aware of, of, you know, what are your, what are your intents for your dog? Um, what are your goals? Um, and does your lifestyle fit that, you know, and I think that's when I struggled is when I kind of got away from those principles and those ideas and going, okay, I, I got a Malinois, like my life changes, just like when, you know, I became a father, my life changed, regardless if I wanted to accept it or not, or believe it or not. Um, and once I really understood that, like, um, that was a choice to bring these dogs into my life and that, um, you know, I need to be responsible, things started to settle down a lot for me. And, um, and that's when everything really fell back into place and has been there ever since. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, I think a lot of people, they get a dog and they want the dog to just slot and fit into their life. And we don't necessarily consider the fact that when we do get dogs, especially dogs who are maybe higher drive or working dogs or need a little bit extra mental stimulation or physical, we seem almost kind of jaded by that. And it's like, this wasn't the dog that, you know, I kind of expected, or I, I just want my dog to do this thing. And it's like, but you're not looking at your dog as an individual. Yeah. Like once I was able to realize that, like, um, these were, you know, this was a choice and, um, I needed to meet their needs and, and really, um, not be reactive, but be proactive. Mm. A lot of things fell into place. So when you had that kind of that talk with, you know, your, your, your peers and things, was that very early into having Kilo or when, when was that kind of, you know, when did that happen for you? Yeah, it was, it was, um, Kilo, he was about, um, two and a half. And, 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 and again, I, I, we, we, we suffered from not being able to, uh, you know, training stopped for us, you know, pretty young with him um, because of Pano. And so, you know, we were, uh, you know, I was, I was trying to get him all into the service dog, you know, being my service dog and things like that. And so I struggled. And once I, once I was just like, uh, learning that I had to take it at his pace, you know, it, it he, he's different than a, in a lab, you know, he wasn't, uh, the labs that I worked with were bred specifically for service dog work. Um, and, you know, not every one of them make it. So, you know, here I am taking a mal that wasn't bred for service dog work and trying to make him a service dog. So again, kind of reevaluating, looking at my dog, looking at his strengths, and then, you know, trying to, as well as meet those needs, I, you know, that's when it really became apparent for me. So during the, that kind of time, what were your, what were the resources that you were looking at to help you, you know, kind of along that journey? Were there any professionals that you kind of 
maybe not reach out to specifically, but, you know, books you were reading or courses that you did? Yeah. So um, again, a lot, you know, the R plus uh, training community, um, I, you know, it's funny. It's like, I never even, you know, as, as much as I, you know, felt inside was like, ah, oh, is this enough? Um, I never even really looked at a lot, you know, other side of type of training, even though I understood it. Um, I, I just, you know, like, I was just like, ah, like, I just couldn't get myself to really um, go. I really couldn't go that route. I just, you know, I, I felt that there was a better way and it was just myself trying to find, find that right way. And, um, and again, essentially once I just started slowing things down, um, and really taking note of who Kilo was and going ahead his pace, again, things started to really open up for me. And did and I'm guessing kind of having him and going through that kind of transition is what really pushed you to, to further educate yourself and really kind of show people, you know, this is possible. You, you can take these, you know, these breeds or even just, you know, we know every dog is, is, is the same really, but you can take, you know, something like this and you can use it to your advantage. Yeah, no. Um, and I, and, you know, I, I really owe Kilo a ton of thanks because, uh, you know, it, it was those, those trying times that really pushed me to educate myself, to find a way to get involved with other professionals, to reach out. Um, because, you know, like uh, it was my first Malinois and I was just like, like, I do maybe, you know, this was too much. And, um, and really he taught me a lot, taught me a lot. And after that, like I, I, once I got my second mal, I was like, all right, I have an idea. And again, you know, I, <laughs> you think you're, you think you're prepared and then boom, you're like, oh, what did I do? <laughs> um, but it gets easier. And then you're like, okay, I've been down this path before and, you know, and I was able to, you know, catch it a lot quicker um, and and start being more uh, effective um, a lot quicker with Novi. And then after that, like, it's just like the third one, I was like, all right, I got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a puppy, uh, but now, you know, like I, I feel so much more confident. And like, I can tell you now, like, I, I, I don't, I, 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 you know, I want people to be like, okay, you can't use R plus with this dog. Okay. Give me that dog. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm telling you, like, I, I, I don't see how I, I want to prove everybody wrong. Yeah. It's, I mean, my journey with Lycan has been very eye-opening professionally and, and um, personally. And, you know, it's always been a, a kind of struggle for me thinking, and I have had those moments where I thought, like, am I right in this? You know, am I really? Yeah pushing for this, you know, for my, my way of thinking is the positive reinforcement. Am I right in it? You know, does every, you know, do these breeds need a heavier hand? You know, there's been moments where I have had that confidence shaken, but I think, you know, it, 
it definitely is. It's just that, like you said, like looking at the dog that you have and, you know, kind of maneuvering for, for that dog, instead of just saying, well, you know what, my, my old dog or my last dog or this dog, or, you know, my friend's dog, it's like, that is the dog that you have. What is your dog needing from you? And then you, you fine tune it so that you're, you're meeting that dog's needs. And, again, like when we, when I started doing that, I, it just changed everything. And it was, it took COVID to start that. But at the same time, I learned so much. And now, you know, when my clients are frustrated or when they're having those moments where they are saying, you know, this isn't the dog that I, I thought I was getting. It's like, look, I have been there. Like, <laughs> you know, yep. like this, yes, I validate your feelings, but at the same time, I can also tell you that it is possible. You know, we can do this and yeah. here's how. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, uh, people, you know, this day and age, we're so used to instant gratification. Oh yes. Um, and that, you know, they don't understand. I, I made an analogy on my highlights. It's, it's the fire analogy. And it was where I took all the, you know, these really big logs and it was like, okay, these are behaviors. Oh, I did see that. Yes. Yes. That was so, yeah. so good. Yeah. And, and, and the th thank you. And so, you know, we're like, okay, we need to break down these behaviors. And, you know, and it was like, is this broken down? No. And then I, you know, at the end of it, I show them like, okay, this is what I mean when we really are breaking it down. And I don't think, you know, we haven't been able to convey that to, you know, society that like one, every dog is individual. Like just because your dog, you know, was your, uh, your dog previous was like this doesn't mean this dog is going to be like that. You know, even the same breeds, um, every dog is individual. They learn individually, just like people learn individually and everybody's going to learn at their own pace. Um, and we need to, work individually with the dog that we have as well as that dog that shows up that day just like we as people are different every day and different moods and um so are our dogs you know depending on if they got a lot enough sleep you know they feel good um so there's a lot of components that you know dictate what type of you know, mood, um, our, our, our animals are going to be in and we have to adjust. We have to be real with our expectations. You know, I don't understand why we, 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 we are able to understand it about people, but not give our animals that same consideration. Absolutely. And, you know, the common denominator through all of that is that, you know, at the end of the day, positive reinforcement, it works. And that's the, the, the main kind of takeaway is like, you can have all the, of these, you know, kind of components, but how do we deal with it? We deal with it through positive reinforcement. Like there is no reason to deviate from that. No. All dogs learn from that. People learn from that. Like it is quintessential to, to the, to learning. And um, I think that's where we get a little, a little sticky is we think, oh God, you know, my dog isn't listening to me anymore. Um, I've tried the positive, I've tried those treats, you know? And it's like, there's, again, there's so many components that a lot of people don't, don't look at. And yeah. I also think that's why working with a professional, you know, when you are seeing 
seeing those, those behaviors and you're not getting the results on your own that you think that you should be getting, that is the time for you to, to reach out and, you know, contact a, a positive professional because I mean, there's lots of things I don't know how to do. Like if you asked me to fix my car, I, it would probably blow up. Like I have no idea how to do anything, car, but it would. Um, and so I don't even, you know, I, I might tinker with some things, but once I kind of feel a little bit out of my depth, I don't go, right, I'm going to learn how to, you know, do this on YouTube. There might be some people who do that and, and kudos, but you know what? A dog is, is not a car. So if I mess up my, my car, you know, I can contact a mechanic and, and that's going to be something which they can go, right, this is what we, what we need to fix. And they can fix that. With a dog, you don't have that, you know, you could do no. so much damage tinkering that, you know, it, it's hard to undo that. It's it's not, it's not the same. So, you know, yes, there are, and I did a post about this too, <laughs> is like, yes, there are YouTube videos and yes, you can learn to a certain extent, but when you're not getting the results that you think you should contact somebody who, you know, does this for a living. Yeah, I, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and here's the reason why I use positive reinforcement is um, so I was working with a client yesterday and um, you know, she uh, will just say she messed up, um, which is really hard to do <laughs> in positive reinforcement. But you know, what somebody would she go, Oh, I messed up in mechanics, and she ended up um, giving an extra treat. And I was like, And that's that's why we use positive reinforcement because when we mess up, you know, quote, quote messed up, uh the you know it's not a bad thing when we get it wrong in positive reinforcement but when we get it wrong with punishment there's a very real possibility of you know uh, whether it's mental um physical you know uh damage yeah um, and so and 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 i love my animals too much to get it to, to even get it wrong and have them feel pain and, you know, start to associate that I'm the one that's giving them pain. Um, and, and here's the thing about punishment, you know, like, uh, when are we punishing, you know, uh, when, when, you know, and, and I'm just kind of talking general, yeah. um, when we feel that something's wrong and more than likely, when that person is administering punishment, they're emotional, right? Mm -hmm. They're frustrated, they're mad, you know, um, they're being reactive. And what I think, you know, is <laughs> being emotional or in, a, in an emotional state of mind and administering punishment does not go well because you have the chance of essentially being out of control, right? Um, administering punishment um, that may be too severe for the correct, you know, for the, for the action or, you know, and, and therefore it's abuse, you know, and I just don't think that being emotional and administering punishment go together at all, oh. nor does punishment tell you what to do instead. Yeah, there's no direction. It's, you know, it is that when people say like, you know, kind of the fallout is and can be shut down. It is, it's, you're shutting down that behavior. It's, you know, and 
it's, I think something that people do get wrong, you know, occasionally is it doesn't really take a, a huge amount of force. It doesn't take something to be overtly aversive for a dog to have that emotional response where they feel like, oh, you know, that, that I'm not going to do that again. I mean, my two dogs are, I always give them as great examples because Nero doesn't even, the older um, border whip it, he doesn't even like when you raise your voice, even if it's, even if I'm like just talking and I'm getting a bit animated, if I am saying something which sounds a little bit like maybe I'm getting upset. So say I'm ranting about something. <laughs> He's like, oh, what's going on? Everyone okay? Like he has that, yeah. you know, instant reaction is like, oh, oh, what's going on? And of course I'm anthropomorphizing, but you know, and Lycan's more like, oh, what's going on? You know, he's very like, oh, are we doing something? Is something happening? You know, two totally different responses. So in the wrong hands, I completely appreciate how, you know, with, with Lycan, he would need a, so his punishment would need to be severe for him because if you were like, stop that, you know, he would be like, stop what? Let's do it. You know, it just doesn't even phase him whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for a dog like Nero, that looks like a quick fix, you know, and if he had that more severe punishment in that emotional response that the human's having, oh God, I mean, that would just be, that would be horrific for him. I can't even, you know, I can't even imagine. And it, it, the, the sad part is, is that it happens to dogs all the time. Oh, yep. Yeah. Um, people don't, you know, people also don't understand that uh, punishment can be adapted to. Um, there's been studies where they've shown, you know, mice that um, went through an electrified floor mm. to go get food, you know, and it was like, you know, you think about it, a lot of people, you know, when they're oppressed, you know, they're like, there's a point in time where people are like, enough, right? Yeah. Just like, you know, you see a dog, you know, that, you know, being punished and, and, you know, redirect they're like forget this you know um and I just you know I I I would rather teach my dog what I'd rather have them do um set them up for success and understand that like they're living in an unfamiliar world right a lot of pet parents don't know how to communicate with their dogs effectively or understand the communication that's being given by our dogs so you know and 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 what do they do? They have punishment is, is reinforcing to the punisher. So they're not, you know, punishment is not a, a, a one fits all thing as well, you know? So you, you just have somebody who just knows how to, you know, we'll just lack of better words, like just hit their dog or, you know, and that's all they know. Cause that's all they saw growing up. And, you know, it's, it's detrimental. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to thank you for, you know, taking the time and, and telling your, your story and, you know, sharing with people, because especially when you were talking about, you know, your, your personal journey of going from dog lover to, to dog, you know, aversive. And I think, you know, you touched on it before and I've asked you, um, I asked you in a clubhouse kind of chat and when you were talking about your own therapy and 
you know, and you touched on the fact that you had only positive reinforcement. You know, I asked you in, in that clubhouse chat and it's something that I think, you know, is important. Did you have punishment when you were going through your, your therapy? Yeah. You know, when you asked that, I, I, I'm telling you, it was eye-opening for me too, because, you know, I've watched movies, like, I think it's like, uh, one flies over the cuckoo nest or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there is a whole bunch of people in a, 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 a hospital for mental illness and, you know, they're doing lobotomies back then, you know, um, and I'm, and I'm grateful that that's not the case this, you know, this time and age. <laughs> We'd be having um, a very different chat, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we would. Um, you know, because that trauma was real for me. And, um, and, and it's funny, but being, you know, what makes me more susceptible to PTSD is previous trauma. So, you know, I, I have, previous trauma before even the Marines. And, and that's what makes it even more intense for me. And yeah, I couldn't imagine, you know, I, there were so many times I was going through therapy and I felt like a hermit crab with no shell on. I felt so vulnerable where they had to actually bring me my Marine Corps protective gear um, like my, my flak jacket, my fire resistant, uh, clothing, because I felt so naked. I felt so vulnerable and, um, and, and I felt like I was walking around with no shell, no protection. And, but here's the thing. I always had the option to stop treatment, right? Um, I always had an option. I was always a volunteer. I was always a participant, and that's what we don't get with our animals is that when people strap a, you know, whatever, an e-collar, a shock collar, prong, choke, um, there is no volunteer, voluntary action there. There is, you know, they're not a participant. They don't know, they don't have a way to say, hey, no, I'm good. I've had enough. Yeah. And, and if they and do. I, <laughs> Yeah. And, 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 and I'm grateful for that because I'm, you know, here I am 10 years later, you know, and I'm still going through stuff, but again, at my pace on my, at, you know, on my schedule, I'm a participant. Um, I'm in control of that, you know, and as I get better and as I grow, I'm able to advocate for myself and that's why it's really important for me to educate and advocate people, um, educate people and advocate for our animals because they can't advocate for themselves. So, you know, I know it's a little kind of like anthropomorphizing when I compare some of those things to what I've been through and how it, it kind of correlates to the same thing as our animals, but it helps us understand a little bit, right? And, and kind of going, it's hum- it's humane for me to be able to participate in my therapy. Absolutely. And and a lot of times when I see, you know, trainers that throw on e-collars or all these aversives, um, they're doing it why? Because a dog is uh suffering from reactivity or quote aggression or separation anxiety. 
And the thing is, a lot of those things, well, let's take, uh, you know, reactivity. Dogs aren't doing these behaviors because they want to get into a fight. They're doing these behaviors to de-escalate the, the scenario. It's an expensive behavior to go ahead and fight every dog. You know, that doesn't prolong their, you know, their, their genetics, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm extremely grateful that the treatment I went through was, you know, humane, even though, and it being humane, it still was very intense, very intense, very, uh, just draining. And it's been a long process, but I'll tell you the person that's standing here today, um, is a person who now understands how life is for me and and I'm able to live independently and successfully even though I still have things I deal with I still deal with anxiety on a on a, on a daily basis depression um, even some paranoia you know a lot of things like that but I've been given the tools you know and for our dogs it's going to be a journey but that journey is so beneficial to us as well. We learn about ourselves, you know, and I'm a real true believer. We get the dog that we need, not the dog that we want. And every one of my dogs have taught me something about myself and made me a better person. That is awesome because yeah, I mean, that's what it's about really, isn't it? I mean, we, we welcome dogs into our lives to make our lives better, um, to make their lives better. And it's a partnership. It's a relationship that you're agreeing to get into. And I mean, who, you know, when you get into a relationship, you, you really want to like share your life with that person. And I often think that it's like that, you know, for when, when we get a dog, a lot of people get dogs for emotional reasons. And then, you know, that, that relationship is so, so, so special. And it's, you know, we, just like in our normal kind of, you know, human relationships, the dog teaches us and, you know, we, we have a duty to teach them with as much kindness and and clarity as possible. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so, so much for sharing your, you know, it's been interesting learning about you for me. So I really hope that people, you know, get to get to learn about you and and take some, you know, information away from this, not only in, in, in you, but also what you've, you know, shared about the journey that you've had with your dogs. Um, before we get to our, um, are fun questions. Um, do you have anything which you would say, you know, any piece of information that you just wish that more high drive dog guardians knew? I, you know, I think that um, you're not alone when you get to a point where you're like, am I doing the right thing? Uh, <laughs> you're going to reach times possibly where you're like, am I in over my head? You know, um, if you're a, you know, person who is working and, you know, a, a normal scheduled job and, um, have a, a life where, whether you have kids, you're married, um, and you have a high drive dog, I'm going to tell you, like, 
yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, at the same time, everything can be accomplished with consistency, compassion, um, positive reinforcement. I, I'm going to tell you, uh, your relationship will thrive um, when you realize that it's so much more beneficial to reinforce what we want rather than punishing what we don't want. And anytime you need to reach out, it's not a bad thing to reach out to other people, um, whether you're a professional or a pet parent, ask for help because others have been in your boat. And I'm going to tell you right now, you don't need punishment. You don't need punishment. You just need consistency. Um, and you need to find out who your dog is and what their needs are, how they learn and understand your dog more. Um, I, I encourage people to get educated on their breed, educated and take seminars. I think if you have a working dog, I think you, you owe it to yourself as well as to your, um, your dog to continue up on education, um, whether you're a professional or a pet parent and um, learn about the, how, how dogs learn and, and how you can uh, have them live with you successfully. Absolutely. That is such excellent, excellent advice. The, the only thing I will add to that, and I was thinking about it was, you know what, it's not, it's not just like you and your dog, but also the breed sometimes, you know, like, especially with Mally's, I think sometimes they just get, or even any guard dog or any type of bully breed, or just, you know, those breeds that quintessentially get that bad rap. And when yep. you see a good example of that breed, like even if nobody says anything to you, if they just happen to see you and they see your dog happy and, you know, kind of well-adjusted and, um, I want to say under control, but I don't even really like that word, but you know, um, that, that speaks volumes for you. That speaks volumes for your dog, but also it gives that breed such a good boost and a good rep in that situation. You know, somebody's going to walk away and be like, Oh, you know what? Today I saw, you know, um, uh, Mally and he was, you know, really well controlled or, you know, did what he was told or whatever, you know, people say nowadays, um, <laughs> walking really nicely or, you know, not, not trying to bite someone's arm off, you know, whatever yeah. it, it just, I think it leaves that resonating kind of impact. Um, uh -huh. So, yeah, I mean, everything you said, I was like nodding. Uh-huh. Yes, that is good. Um, and just perfect. Yeah, thank you. I uh, I just recently traveled to California, all the way from uh, the Pacific Northwest, and uh, out to San Diego. And I had three dogs in my truck, and we hit about three different hotels. Uh, we were on the road for five days, uh, and and the thing is, my dogs did amazing. You know, with all the transitions, all the changing of uh, environments. Uh, you know, living conditions. I'm telling you, like, it was amazing. And I had one going to heat, like, <laughs> right as we started. So like, you know, like, 
just trying to do that with one dog would yeah. be, a, but you know, but that goes to show you. And again, no punishment. You know, I'm not over here. It was just really good management. I was consistent in an inconsistent environment, uh, and that consistency that we, you know, have at the house and um, and their training, it really prevailed um, throughout my trip. So, you know. There was no like, oh my God, I need to go to wherever and go get a prong collar or whatever. Like, no, like uh, everything that I've done, you know, at my house and where I'm at worked extremely well through all that inconsistent environments, you know, and it was great. Um, and, you know, all <laughs> through the power of positive reinforcement. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> It can be done, people. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, again, thank you so much. And I wanted to, I always, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before, but um, I like to add like just some fun questions at the end, just so, you know, it's not, it's not all about dogs, even though I'm perfectly fine with it being all about dogs, but I think it also gives another, it gives another dimension to um, when we have people on. Okay. So if you're happy, I'm just going to ask you some, some fun questions. I am happy. I'm on, I'm on SSRIs. <laughs> I'm happy all the time. <laughs> Good. Um, okay. So we'll start off with what is your favorite scent? Um, gosh, I have so many and I'm a Libra. So like getting me to go ahead and like commit to one thing. Um, Top three then maybe. Okay. Okay. Breakfast. I love the scent of breakfast. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Breakfast to me is like, mm, like you want to melt me, have breakfast scent. So there's that. Uh, I love lavender. Um, absolutely love lavender. And um, I like the mixture of eucalyptus and spearmint. That's interesting. Yeah. So when you said breakfast, like, are you meaning like, cause you know, it's kind of like bacon cooking. Is it that, or is it just, you know, coffee, uh, bacon and grease and like pancake and what is it? Yes, Pancakes. I'm, I love pancakes. I <laughs> love the smell pancakes. of like a eggs with pancakes and, and the syrup smell like, like I, you know, my, I, I don't know, maybe it just reminds me of more of my mom hmm. or, you know, like I, I just, I love it. Like I can, you, anytime I'm in a bad mood, like if I could smell breakfast, like I'm just like, oh, <laughs> there it is. I'm That's back a Yankee to, candle they haven't made yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, lavender is also funny because I hated lavender when I was younger. I used to like, oh, it just used to, ew, it really was kind of gross to me. And now I love it. Like I actually have this, this lavender essential oils. And if I'm struggling to sleep sometimes, um, it's on my, my nightstand. I'll just rub a little bit of that on like pulse points. And it yeah. just, ah, oh, it just eases me right into sleep. Mm -hmm. I, I actually like, uh, even like the fields of lavender, like I, I've been, I went to an EMT residential course and they had fields of lavender and we would bring lavender and let it dry out in the rooms. But, oh, like just smelling a lavender plant, like it just, it is so amazing. 
<laughs> it is. It's very pleasing. That you know, it is used for for calming. And that I think with um, so I used to do this uh, desensitization, a veterinary desensitization course at the vets. And lavender was one of those. We had about five or six different scents that we would let the dog smell and choose. And lavender yeah. was usually a very popular one, um, even for the dogs. Yeah. Okay. What is your most used emoji? Ah, uh, <laughs> um, definitely the, the sideways, the slanted, uh, <laughs> overly laughing with tears in his eye or person oh yeah emotion. i know <laughs> the exaggerated gonna, laugh cry <laughs> yes yes and and i think i am i don't know i am horrible i use emojis all the time and you know it's funny i i have so many different friends that are younger and older i, I just i really gel with everybody and so like my, my younger friends are like, oh my gosh, you use so many emojis. And I'm like, you guys don't use emojis? And they're like, no, like they all know the meanings and I just use them how I want to use them. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, I guess there's a real way to use them, but I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't like to really conform to rules like that. I'm like, <laughs> this really kind of depicts what I feel and I'm going to send them. They're like, you're so weird sometimes. I'm just like, I don't Good, think there I'm were glad. rules to the emojis. I just thought, you know, emojis are, they're emotional. Like you can use them whenever you want. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and it's funny, I struggle sometimes because I'll see like, oh my gosh, what does a white heart mean? What does that black heart mean? What is, <laughs> you know, and, and I'll look up and then it's like, and, and I have some friends that are really savvy with how to use emojis, but I'm just like, eh, that, that's, I don't want to have to make them fit. I want, I want to be able to use them how I feel. <laughs> you should. Emojis, you know, use them how you want. Who cares? It's all about expression anyway. So, you know, it, the, blech, those people that tell you, no, you can use them how you want. Okay. So what is the worst job you have ever had? Uh, you know, I don't think I've had a worse job. Every job that I had um, has taught me something about myself, um, has made me a better person, whether I learned that that's not what I want to do, or, you know, I, I think every job that I've had has been really instrumental in building who I am. But you got to understand also 11 or 12 of those years of working was being a Marine. Yeah. Uh, so I had some jobs before that I had, I had, you know, some side jobs that I did while I was in the military and then a few after, and I'm telling you, like every one of them served their purpose, in my opinion. That's such a nice way of thinking about it, because when I wrote down this question, I was like, I have lots of jobs that I would have. <laughs> <laughs> put in that category but you're right you are right like each even now when you were saying it I was thinking and every one of I can't think of a single job that didn't teach me something even if it was like you said that I didn't want to do that <laughs> yeah I mean like I'll, I'll give an example I uh 
So one job I, uh, before the Marines, I, um, so I had my, my oldest daughter when I was 16, um, wow. really young. And, um, I did some independent studies and I worked three jobs. So one of them was a, uh, a sandwich maker, um, at a sandwich shop. One was like, uh, working at a dollar store and I can't remember what the other one was. And you know, it's funny. Every one of them taught me something. So like the sandwich, like, you know, the rush would come in at 11, you'd have 30 people in line. And you know what? Like, it was like, okay, how to work under pressure and how to, you know, meet everybody individually when they showed up right in front of you. It was like, okay, yeah, there's a whole bunch of people, but still give this one person who's in front of you that courtesy of being an individual, right? Um, yeah. And, 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 and as well as like working at the dollar store, like, hey, like, regardless of where you're working, if it's meant to be done, it's me- then it's meant to be done right. And, and, you know, and if, if, if you're there giving your, you know, doing your, giving your time, then it, then it needs to be worth what you are, regardless of where you're at. And so I really learned that a lot. I also had jobs at like 19 where I was, uh, refinancing house loans. Um, and I was like, I want to be a Marine, you know, um, (laughs) I worked at a grocery store, you know, and everywhere I went, it was just, you know, bringing my personality, bringing, um, and, and really making everybody that I interacted with feel, um, as important as they are and giving them that one-on-one, um, you know, in a world where every, there's so many people, you know, Mm -hmm. um, so I learned, I learned a lot and, and it made me who I am and I'm, I'm appreciative for every one of those opportunities. That's such a great answer. Um, okay, so the final one is if you could have any fictional imaginary friend, who would you choose and why? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, again, I struggle with this one. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, um, I struggle with that because ev- there's, I, you know, to lock into one character. Okay, top three. <laughs> <laughs> Even top three, I don't know. You know, like, there's, I, I'm one that, like, I, I got to have variety. Um <sighs> I can't believe um, this is the question that stumps you. <laughs> because I, one, I'm really analytical. Like, <laughs> so I, you know, every, I'm, I'm like weighing out, okay, what value does Mickey Mouse have? Like, uh, you know, and, and can I learn from him and can he learn from me? Like, it's gotta be a mutual benefiting uh, relationship. <laughs> you know, and, and ultimately I'm like, well, my dog's not fictional, but I would, again, I'm like, I just want my dog to talk to me. that would be fun yeah that's what I would probably choose is that my dogs can talk okay we'll change the question I just had an idea okay so the question is um what do you think if your dogs could talk to you what do you think would be the um the most common thing that each of them would say uh 
So they'd probably ask, why do you, one, why do you always cheer for me when I'm going to the bathroom? <laughs> Um, because I'm literally like, I'm out there, I let them out and I watch them. And it's funny. They look like, <laughs> they look like an embarrassed kid when their parents are dropping them off at school saying, bye, I love you. Have a great day. Like, I'm like, they'd probably talk about that. Um, they, they probably ask me why I'm always singing songs to them. Um, I literally just start sing, talking to them. Oh yeah. So, we do that. Yeah. I'm just like, and all their nicknames. Gosh, they'd be like, dad, like how many nicknames is this for me? <laughs> I just did a post about that actually, because um, we have, and even when I was writing them down, um, yeah. Scott and I were just laughing because we were like, how did we even, you know, and a lot of them, I mean, lichens are different because we, Scott and I have had lichen together, but Nero, I definitely had Nero before I had Scott. And some of those nicknames are ones that I've been calling him since, and I don't even know how they originated, but yeah. There's so many weird ones. I, I had, uh, so I had a Chihuahua. Um, he was like a four pound Chihuahua. He passed in November, but he, he had probably 20 different uh, nicknames. And it was like any new thing that I started doing, he would have a nickname because he was always with me. And so like, I remember one of his nicknames, I, I ended up getting a, a personal trainer who did CrossFit. And so like, whenever I would do like the runs, like the little sprints, he would run with me. So he ended up getting the name CrossFit Bobby. His name was Cujo. <laughs> and, and so CrossFit Bobby or CrossFit Bob, like it just, his names just got so out of hand. And like, he had a nickname for every activity that we would do. <laughs> that is so cute. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, would you say that there's anything else that they would probably say or? Um. You know, I would hope that they would say, hey, thanks for being a good dad and always bringing us nice stuff. Because, you know, I throughout the week, I'm always like, okay, when's the last time the dogs had a bully stick? And if it's been two days, like, I'm like, oh, they need a bully stick, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm always, you know, I, I swear, some of my favorite places are pet stores. Oh, my God. I go, yeah, in, there for, <laughs> I go in there for retail therapy. And I, I'm I telling like to you, see I, what they have that's new. Like literally, yeah, that's, that's the reason why I go in. <laughs> yeah, but I and and I'm telling you, I look at like I, I I shop at three specialty pet stores, and and I look, you know, I just was like, okay, what did I spend this year at you guys? And I'm like, holy crap, oh, like, that's dangerous territory. Yes, <laughs> but you know, I I love I love. Uh, coming home, giving them great stuff and new toys. And um, so, you know, I would, I, I would, I would think that one of those would be in there just saying, thank you. That's sweet. I think they, I definitely think that that, that would be a common, a common thing that they would say. <laughs> thank you for my bully stick. It's so difficult. Isn't it? I mean, my house in, in part of it, it looks, it literally looks like a pet store. Like I can't, I have yeah. a compulsion. If like mm -hmm. people were like, what do you buy a lot of? I'd be like dog stuff. Like I mm -hmm. cannot help. I want them to try different treats. I want them to try different shoes, different toy. Like I just, I can't help it. It's, I have a problem. That's why I go to three pet stores. Um, <laughs> They're like, Richard's coming. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm friends with all the pet owners, <laughs> all the pet store owners. And I'm like, 
I'm like, all right, what's new? And and literally like, it's like they have like one of their salespersons, like a rep is like, okay, this is what's new. And this, is, you know, it gives me the full rundown because I'm like, yes, like, ah, yeah, it's <laughs> addiction. I swear if people like, you know, like if, uh, <laughs> when I was growing up, uh, guys, <laughs> my, when my mom was dating, they would, you know, they would kind of sweeten me up or give me things to, you know, get to my mom. <laughs> I wonder, like, it would be amazing. Like if like I was, you know, if I was dating and like people were doing that to my dog, like, Oh, here's a, I brought your dog a bully stick. <laughs> I have done. Oh my goodness. Um, when I was dating that did happen. And I remember I felt so bad because I went on this one date and um, he gave me, which is so sweet because I only had Nero at the time. And, you know, I love, I love dogs, but like, I especially love Nero. So like, I would always say in my dating kind of thing, you know, if my dog doesn't like you, that's it. Like, I don't, you know, you you don't have a chance. And so Uh, I guess this guy really took it to heart. And on our first date, um, at the end of the date, he goes, oh, I, you know, I got something for Nero and he pulled out this, this ball and it was a ball that, um, and I apologize so profusely. If you ever listen to this podcast, I'm so sorry for what I'm about to say. Um, uh, not that I ever think that he listens to it, but um, it was a ball that had a, a smiley face on the inside. And then it uh, was inside a like floating water sparkle kind of like situation. So a ball within a ball, this was uh, not a dog toy. And uh, I immediately, when I got out of the car, I was like, okay. Um, I have to get rid of this. <laughs> like I was just like, oh my goodness. And you know, for other reasons besides that, um, we we unfortunately didn't, you know, we didn't make it to date temp number two. But um I just thought you don't even know how to buy a dog toy. Like, <laughs> like this is never gonna work. And I had to throw it away immediately. I couldn't even, I was so scared that he might get injured by it. Um, yeah. And that was it for me. I was like, you know, you can't even buy a dog toy. Like, how are you gonna, you know, how are you gonna care for my Nero if you, you know, don't know the first thing about dog toys? Um, yeah. And that is basically how I carried out most of my my dating was, you know, if, if Nero doesn't like you, then... And Nero likes most people. He loves most people. Um, but there were a few he just, he didn't gel with. So, you know, they got booted out really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You should put that, you know, um, you know, dating profile. I think <laughs> the way to me is through my dogs. Yeah. So if you want to impress me, I think that should be on most, you know, if you have a dog that should be on most uh, dating profiles for sure. Yeah. Right. Thank you so, so much, Richard, for, for joining me on this, on this podcast and having such a, you know, an, an inspirational and, you know, very informative chat. And like I said, everything that you have said, it's just such, such good information. Not that I am surprised at all because I've been following mm-hmm. on social media for a while, but it is just, there's lots of gems in this conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. I really appreciate you having me and just, again, uh, building community, educating people like, and advocating for our dogs. Like, yeah, I, all day long, that's, yeah. I, I appreciate you giving an opportunity for me to, um, talk about that and, um, just really building community for pet parents and pet professionals. So I really thank you. 
Yeah, you're welcome. Do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I love Instagram. That's, that's where I live. Um, and that's at the domesticated dog. Um, you can go on to Facebook at uh, the domesticated dog, Twitter at domesticated dog <laughs> and um, TikTok the domesticated dog. I've tried to keep it, you know, so, I yeah. don't know. Some, sometimes there's like, I can't get the in there. Um, but and then I am, I'm on Dogly as well. And that's a platform uh, with all certified uh, professionals. And I'm an advocate there. Um, and I think that's a really good resource for people to check out. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm super approachable. I love talking to our community. I love interacting and I love helping people. I love sharing their successes. And um I want to build community where people know it's safe to share that every day's not, you know, peaches and cream. Um, and, you know, we all get through it together and we, we build lives with our dogs that are successful and have um, their welfare and best interest at hand. Absolutely. And again, thank you so much for joining me on this. Awesome. Thank you. Hey there, listeners. I hope you enjoyed your episode. I just wanted to take this moment to remind you that if you are experiencing behavior concerns with your dog, you have the ability to work with me virtually. There is so much that can be done through virtual consultations. Even what I offer in my initial behavior assessments really gets people pointed in the right direction and started on that journey towards helping their dog feel more confident. So if you need some help with your dog, or maybe you've been thinking about refreshing some of your training, I offer both one-to-one virtual consultations and online group classes. My current group classes are my Foundation Puppy Course, which is for puppies between the ages of eight weeks to six months. Then I have my new course, Acing Adolescence, which is for puppies from the age of around six months to 18 months. And finally, Crazy to Calm which addresses both newly adopted dogs and also dogs that might need a little bit of a refresher course. You can book and find more information available on my website at rplusdogs.com. I so look forward to working with you.